You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. There is a place where time stands still. Where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, everybody. This is Annie for Showreel, looking at the Australian film industry. At the moment, we're actually focusing a lot on the uh, Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, which is running at the moment uh, online and uh, just about to go into its uh, theatrical showings at uh, Nova in Carlton. Uh, The uh, films that we're going to look at today, are uh, one is a feature and it's called The Belly of the Beast, a Torquay story. Uh, I had a chat with the director, one of the directors, John Teague. He co-directed it with Max Miller. It's a um, look at Torquay in Victoria, small town that went global, a quiet coastal community until the booming surf culture swept in and it swelled to become an international surfing mecca. Uh, that is home to industry brands and colourful personalities. And this is what this film actually looks at. Uh, That's the first one that we're going to look at. And uh, the second is uh, more than cute, but we'll talk about that later. First up, a chat with uh, John Teague about Belly of the Beast. It's going to be screening July the 22nd, Saturday at 2pm at Nova. So this is a massive film, um, Belly of the Beast, a Torquay story. So tell me how you got into this enormous affair. Um, well, I'd just come off the back of a, another feature film called Broken Ghost, which I planned on making here in uh, New South Wales. I was a farmhouse out there and ended up, getting some funding from America and I was persuaded to make it over there and it was made in Montana. And I I came home and I've spent a lot of time in the States and I just was like, I I don't know what my next project is and I don't really want to go back over there. And I've lived in Torquay since the early 90s and I just thought, you know, there's been so much written about the history of this town. Uh, Nothing's been put to screen. I know most of the people. Why don't I turn that into a, a, a story? That was sort of the catalyst. And I just sort of started scratching and I just, I had a conversation with a friend of mine and he was talking about the history of a really specific part of the industry that happened in the 70s. And, I, and he goes, that'd make a great doco. And I was thinking, and I drove home and I thought, 
that's a small part of a big story. That was it. And I just sort of thought, okay, that's it. That's my next project. That's, that's, that's how it came about. Are you a, um, a feature filmmaker, as in not a documentary filmmaker, but a drama filmmaker? Is that what you normally do? Or when you say a broken ghost, what was that about? Broken Ghost is a, yeah, is a normal uh, narrative-driven feature film um, about a girl suffering uh, albinism, being bullied at school, and her parents move her to the country to give her a new start because she's harming herself, and they think we've got to get her out of this toxic environment. And the film essentially starts with them moving into a new home in the countryside and isn't this nice. Yeah. And, of course, you can't really run away from your problems and it turns into a bit of a psychological thriller. I, I come from a background mainly of acting. It's been my through line through school and I studied in New York and uh, in around 2011 or something, I out of the blue got type 1 diabetes and it threw me through a loop. And I didn't feel very creative. And a family friend who had a small production company in LA said, well, why don't you come back and sit in my office and I'll teach you a little bit more about what happens on the other other side of everything. And so I sat in there for a few years and I just thought, well, now I have a lot. My pie is quite full. And I thought I need to go home and, and just start forging my own path. And that was... I met with a writer in Melbourne called A.B. Pogos and he pitched me the idea for Broken Ghost and I said, if you write that, I promise you I'll make it. And uh, I raised a hundred grand and then he he finished writing it and I was going to make it for that. Then a, a director in America got wind of the script and he, he found more money and it, it ended up going over there. But so, yeah, I... I I think I'm just a bit of a storyteller of sorts, but I'm just, I don't want to just be waiting for um, people to offer me work. I just like to create, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. It's interesting because they did actually recently, relatively recently, have a um, an ABC uh, drama. Baron. Yeah. Barons. Yeah, which is basically focusing on some similar elements, but yours is a documentary. That's right. I started before Barons. I started this nearly six years ago. Mm. Okay. Um, it's been a, a long haul. I mean, it was quite interesting to reference it against the two, actually. I, I mean, I, I watched, because I was brought up in Warrnambool and I'm um, younger than a lot of the people in this film, but I remember the, the wave of Rip Curl and uh, I just thought it was normal because that was what I grew up in. But to see yeah. it actually happening is quite fascinating, especially the stuff to do with the guys in the 30s and 40s. It's a real totally. opener, really. Yeah, quite fascinating. Yeah. Oh, I, and, I, I, I learned a lot along the way. It's sad in a way, too, to see how far removed it is from those guys, you know, society um, in general. I noticed that you're actually quite generous in the sense that you work with people and I noticed it was your story, but you got someone else to write it, for example, and uh, you also co-directed. So that's a very interesting sort of approach. You did some of the cinematography as well. Yeah, yeah, I like to look, I, I think the the art of filmmaking, it's really important to surround yourself with people who are 
better than you in their zone. And, um, you know, like I love writing, but I'm not a writer, you know, and I knew the story, but I, and I, I couldn't quite see it. So I asked Craig, I saw, I met with lots of writers, but Craig definitely understood what, what was needed and wrote a great treatment of sorts. You spend a lot of, a lot of time finding good people to talk to, I'll, I'll say. Yeah, yeah, got great people, and it was not not. It's not easy to get people to camera. I won't lie. Um, but no, especially people was... like this, because they live their life, and they're not used to. I mean, they're raconteurs. They're party animals. They're a whole range of things. But I mean, the reason for why they surf is because they're not talkers, right? That yeah. That's right, yes. But I've had such nice feedback from, like, um, the part with John Paulson when, who died, um, that, that part uh, when he was paddling out, John Law's best friend. Mm-hmm. His sister was in the uh, – she's been in both audiences when I've done private screenings. And just the email she wrote to me because she believed everyone had forgotten who her brother was uh, was just – you know, it brought a tear to my eye and just made me realise that how powerful it is to, you know, shine a light on history, you know. Oh, yeah, um, right along that coast there are little memorials for people um, yeah. and it's always very sobering and it always makes me think a lot about all the people <clears throat> that have made up uh, the coastline effectively because it's a story, um, isn't it? It's a coastline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you, you go in further, like you go into the shipwrecks and the people that died coming off those and it's just like it's a harsh, so harsh. I mean, all, I mean, all of Earth is harsh if you dig back far enough. But, yeah, it's interesting. It is. I do love it. The film is fascinating for locals. Uh, it's beautiful because the coast is beautiful. It's interesting because of its the uh, social changes as well. I mean, you could have gone into a whole lot of other angles too. That was, but that wasn't the point of the film. But I was really fascinated I, by. I wanted to, and I got yeah. told no. No, that's right. <laughs> because the stuff about the boys, Port Melbourne and South Melbourne boys, that was they were real working class boys. Um, yes. Going down there, and then the effect of uh, male culture after the Second World War. That is fascinating, the militarisation of social interaction within our society as uh, experienced by males after the Second World War. Fascinating stuff. Incredible, isn't it? And, and like, the psychological effect that that would have had on them and what they, you know, people don't talk like they talk now, you know? Like, it's stiff upper lip and maybe things were just as equally as... as problem then but that wasn't talked about like a different 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 stresses yeah yeah. different stresses well that's one of the things that's fascinating by about the film I mean you must have had a lot of interesting um uh journeys uh so you uh, and you are looking at it from this uh, surf history this social history this country town uh it's not just a country town actually it's coast towns are different from country towns uh, having been brought up in one. Um, I think Terry Wall mentioned it in there where he says the influence of a coastal town because it has so many cultures coming to it for the draw of surfing. And so it, it is instantly 
um, more multicultural or, or um, you know, there's more flavor to it than, say, an inland town that not many people go to. So it doesn't have the outside influence. Yeah, but one of the keys about this film, of course, is that you're making it from this time. And so you're looking around in a whole lot of different other ways as well. It's not just historical and it's not just collecting the stories, but it's also putting the modern lens. So you actually check out what happened for women, for example. I found it fascinating that you touched on uh, Indigenous world and that you didn't mention that the person who was offered up to the penal system was actually Aboriginal, but it was quite clear he was. Now, that's a very modern way of taking uh, Australian society, isn't it? it, it you, you're putting on this modern lens to this historical context. There are things that are important now, culturally, that weren't actually things that people thought about much then. Oh, Women's right. Yeah, the film essentially would have started with the surf club. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. This this film's interesting for that. You obviously went out of your way to do that. I feel more akin with how our poor fellow Indigenous people lived than I do this modern world. I think that they just had it so right. And I know it's weird to say, maybe it's not weird to say, but I just think that the way that they live with the land and in, in harmony with like the laws of nature, I just think that there's something to be learnt from that. And I, I did go out of my way. Yeah. Uh, and the next thing I wanted to say was that uh, it's a big story because it goes all the way to America. It's uh, multinational companies. It's local changes in Australian society. It's uh, the Tolkien story, effectively. So you've had lots of screenings, have you? Or No, just two. I, I did one at the Pivotonian in Geelong just, just uh, before Christmas last year, just to give it an audience just to get it out of my, like it was starting to become a bit of a bane <laughs> of my existence, you know. I was, uh, so I had to give it an audience and just show, everyone kept asking what's going on, what's going on. And so, yeah, that was really well received, but it was a biased audience. Then I gave uh, a screening at the Thornbury Picture House and I just invited everyone that I sort of knew in Melbourne that I thought might be interested and just to see a different demographics reaction. And um, yeah, look, my, my girlfriend's parents thought it was too long. Um, And then I have other people who were like, no, no, I I didn't get that at all. So I think it's into, you know, beauties in the eye eye of the beholder, however you say that, but. But generally people found it captivating and it's going to be on at the Melbourne documentary film festival. That's right, yes. Yeah. So you're happy about that? I am so happy. Honestly, I'm I'm I can't be more happy. I, it's a big bit of validation that something that uh created has um you know made it into a festival and that it'll get eyeballs. I'm really happy about that. Yeah, and that's John Teague. He's talking about his film The Belly of the Beast, a Torquay story. It's going to be on July twenty second, Saturday, uh two PM. Uh, at the Nova as part of the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Get to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, screening the very best documentaries from South by Southwest, Sundance, Tribeca 
as well as the best local Melbourne and Australian documentaries. Online from the 1st to the 31st of July and at Cinema Nova from the 21st to the 30th of July. For more information, head to mdff.org.au and cinemanova.com.au. The Melbourne Documentary Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. There's many aspects to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. One of them is that they've got several programs of shorts. And I got to speak to Jacinda Jaka, who has uh, been part of the production that uh, created a film called More Than Cute. And it's about seniors Bollywood dance class in Melbourne. It's uh, going to be part of the July 30th. Uh, Sunday Shorts, which is, I think, at 10.30am. But uh, I've looked at some of the shorts uh, and they're all fascinating things. And uh, this is uh, a chat I had with Jacinda. How did the class come about? Actually, uh, I've been dancing since I was a child. I do a whole bunch of different things like classical and like Indian classical dance and experimental modern dance and things. And I actually was living overseas for 10 years and I moved back to Melbourne in 2017. And, you know, in a way I was restarting from scratch and my friend Jaya had just started the Bollywood dance studio. Someone, someone really far away was looking for a Bollywood dancer for a group of women in the seventies. And I was the only person willing to go because I was desperate for money. And I was like, I'll do anything right now because I'm restarting. So I was like, yep. So that's when I first started working with this age group. And I remember already being just surprised and taken aback and loved it. And then Jaya thought, why don't we start a class at the studio? So we were like, yeah, great. So we advertised and we had one person sign up who was Helen. And she had she had actually already been doing the, the Bollywood hip hop beginner class but been really struggling and she was hoping that there might be something specific for seniors. So we thought, okay, we'll do this class, but there was only Helen and the class was supposed to start tomorrow. And we thought, oh, we're going to have to cancel it because no one signed up. And the night before a second person, a random person signed up. So we had two people. So we were like, okay, great. We'll go ahead. So we, that's how it just started. And then, and, and, you know, for a long time, it was two people. And then for a long time, it was four. It, it's taken a lot of love and nurture to, to kind of grow into what it is. Yeah. And one of the things about Bollywood dancing and the older age group is that it um, mixes really well because uh, dancing is really good for uh, keeping the mind active, not just the body. And there's lots of series of actions that have to follow each other and people have to remember them. Yeah. I mean, one of the seniors, Billy, she she talks about it a lot, but it's said that well, dance is meant to be one of the best things for older people because it makes you socialise, like socialisation is a part of it and the coordination and the memory. The students do often talk about what it is about Bollywood because, you know, it just allows you to actually also just have a bit of fun. Like you don't have to take yourself too seriously. Because some of them did try, for example, ballroom dancing and they just found it too technical and there was too much emphasis on right and wrong. So 
there is this beautiful thing about yeah bollywood's fun it kind of allows you to access your inner child yeah and and also uh, as your film shows there's a fabulous effortless intercultural element to it isn't isn't there yeah there is and i think you know i mean again you know we've had this because we've been together now for almost four years some of us five years so we have these conversations a lot and this thing about also like attracts like because i think you'd have to also be a certain type of person to even come to a bollywood class a senior bollywood class you know um there's already an open mind or a curiosity that they kind of bring with them that allows for this effortless exchange now let's get to the film itself because i mean the film itself is nicely put together like it's 15 minutes long and you've obviously thought very carefully about the uh, themes that you want to bring across but also the movement within the film because it moves along really well can you tell me about your filmmaking experience so this is my first short film and i actually began filming them in the beginning of 2020 on my phone because i've been wanting to make a film for a long time but i just didn't know how, like, like the technical aspect always kind of got in the way and i suddenly with the phones these days i'm like oh i can do it on my phone and I, and I felt compelled to make a film. Like I just felt like somebody needs to make a film on this class because I just I can't put my finger on it. But I just felt like you know it's surprising. There's there's some sort of magic happening here, and so I'm like, great. I picked up my phone, and then COVID came into it in 2020. But a few of them live in my five kilometer range, and then also Zoom interviews, and I kind of filmed them for two years. and then last year at some point i was like okay i'm just going to do something i'm just going to get kind of like move on i'm going to just make because i always thought i would make a full length film but i was like i'm just going to do something like get started so i kind of think about those two years as research because i you know interviewed them multiple times i had an idea every time i would interview them i mean they would say similar things and i would be like ah oh, there's always that thing that speaks at me that particular thing that stands out or when we film the dances this happens and i really want to capture this moment cuz i love it when this happens so i kind of had 2 years worth of information that i kind of put down on paper and then kind of in a way recreated that so we had a 2 day shoot and i it was scripted but obviously in that organic things also happen yeah oh well that's interesting because um i know that you used uh some of the elements uh for your tiktok or your instagram where people uh, or facebook i don't know where you put it on social media and you got responses and that's where the title comes from uh more than just cute but um yeah. what's interesting to me is that like you said you, you this is your first film but you've actually uh made a very tidy film some people make films and they're not very good but this is actually quite you know is really quite accomplished because you move from one um sequence to another tell me about what you learned about the film te- film filming it i mean one of the things that you learn when you say filming at a demonstration or something like that is that people don't film long enough they don't get all, uh, all for the edit do you know what i mean and you did most of the editing as well so you learned quite a lot didn't you Yeah and you know I didn't intend to edit it myself but 
I'm so glad I did because it it really taught me so much. So one of the things was because I was trying to recreate moments that have happened. So I realized in the edit that, like, for example, Umesh, the, the Indian man in the class, I remember the first, so with, with social media, what happens is because this is a class that runs at the dance studio. And what happens at the dance studio for all the classes, also the ones for the younger, for the younger generation, every term we actually, we, we, we film, like we make a dance video for the dance they learned that term. And that gets posted on Instagram and Facebook. So one of their videos it, it is one that went viral. So when for, for, for one of these shoots, the first time Umesh walked in wearing a wig. Yeah, and, and I, I remember me and Jaya, we just screamed, you know, and, and Umesh was really funny. And the whole moment was so hilarious. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have that moment. So we tried that. We tried him walking in with the wig and we're screaming and, and all of this stuff. But, you know, in the edit, I was like, oh, it just looks it looks staged. It looks fake because it is. And I realized that there's some moments you can redo, but sometimes just the simple stuff looks better. Like those really organic, true moments look much better than, so So, so, there's, so there's some things you just can't redo. You've got to let go. And you've got to be open to the truth of this moment. So I learned that a lot in editing because I actually had a lot of footage and there was a lot of stuff. I was like, oh, this just doesn't work. But this really quiet moment that I wasn't expecting, that's actually so beautiful. So that was one of my biggest learnings, actually, making this documentary. So you wrote a script. How much of the script uh, came out in the edit? A lot of it. I think my script probably was more than 15 minutes now that I realised. I, I didn't I didn't realise, actually, oh, it's 15 minutes already. But the couch scene, for example, you know, I did have lines. I wanted there to be this conversation. But, you know, when you interview people, like, there's so much that's said, but you, it's so hard to cut. So I was like, and I've interviewed every single person at least three times over the past few years. So I was like, I just want you to say that line. Because I love how that line, I love how when you say that line and th- when this person said them, like, the two go so well together. So... Uh, I would say almost all of it was scripted, and but there was a lot of other stuff that was also in there which got taken out. And that's Jacinda Jaga. She's uh, the uh, filmmaker that has made this great film called More Than Cute, and it's part of the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival, July 30th short film screenings which are going to be on I think it's at 10.30 at uh, the uh, Nova 10.30am before we go uh, just just to let you know that there's a fundraiser going on tonight at the Corner Hotel 57 Swan Street uh, Richmond Uh, it's for the foundation to honour Uncle Archie Roach and it's got uh, the headline act is Emma Donovan. She's going to appear at about 10.05pm, but it all starts at 6.30pm and there's a full program of fantastic performers. So you may want to go down there. We're going to go out with an Emma Donovan song, Keep Me In Your Reach. Coming up next is Published or Not. Published or Not.
judge you, girl, when you come through my door. You got a friend, a friend with an open heart. Get a friend, a friend you can call. Don't forget when you're down and in darkness. I can pick you up in the hardest. Said I'll be there for you. And I'll be the one to help you through. Feel shame, I can see it in your face. I've been there and I know that place So pick up your lid, take a lift up Keep your head up, feel the love Take, take a lift from me, girl Keep, keep me in your reach, girl Take, take a lift from me, girl Keep, keep me in your reach, girl You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.